All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nats Weekly. I'm your host, D-Mac. Got an exciting show today. We're going to talk about the big injury to Steven Strasburg. What, what does it mean for our, our playoff contention? What does the future hold for Starlin Castro? And what decisions are we going to make at the trade deadline? All that and more. Make sure you call into the show, 305-809-6287. That's 305-809-NATS. Follow us on Twitter at Nats Weekly or email us at natsweekly at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. We'll get into all that coming up, especially the Strasbourg injury. It's a big blow. Uh, before that, I got, I got something I got to get off my chest. Let, let, let me tell you what happened to me this week. So, um, you know, I'm sure you saw the Fernando Tatis situation where he swung at a 3-0 pitch with up seven runs in the, you know, eighth inning or, of a game, which is all, you know, like, we're not going to talk about that part of it, but I'm going to talk about what I heard afterwards. So I was uh, driving home, listening to MLB Network Radio, and they were talking about Fernando Tatis, the player, which, without a doubt, he is going to be a great player. And they mentioned the possibility of taking the crown from Trout. And they said, oh yeah, there's two players in Major League Baseball who I feel like could do that. They said Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna Jr. Wow, are they giving respect to Juan Soto, who's younger than Ronald Acuna Jr.? Whose stats either mirror or are better than his? I mean, in reality, is he just not getting the the recognition that he deserves? If you look at it, Ronald Cunha Jr., 285 average. Soto, 287. On base percentage, Ronald Cunha, 360. Juan Soto, 403. Slugging, Ronald Cunha Jr., 532. Juan Soto, 535. Again, all three slash quarter categories, Soto's better than him. Obviously, Acuna has has Soto on the speed category. There, there's no no questioning that. But everywhere else, a Juan Soto either mirrors Ronald Acuna Jr. or is better than him. So why is he not getting the recognition that he deserves? To me, the thing that sets Soto apart is not only the fact that he's only 21 years old, but how much how mature he seems as a 21 year old. How he learns from at bat to at bat and changes his rookie year. People saw some holes in his swing. His ground ball rate was really high. His second year, all that improved. I see nothing but improvement from this guy. And and to be honest, I, it wouldn't surprise me at some point. You know, he, he won a batting title, a couple MVPs for sure. He could also challenge for the triple crown. You know, RBIs, home runs, and batting average. So, you know, he takes his walks. He's very selective. His, his He's got to at least be in the conversation. I get it. Don't get me wrong. Ronald Acuna is an exciting player. Fernando Tatis, great, young, exciting player. Both are going to be superstars in this game. But give Juan Soto his due. He deserves much more than what we're getting. With that said, let's get into the recap. What happened? What the hell happened? Give me the recap. All right. You asked for it. Here it is. Uh, not the best week. Started off the week Sunday. You know, beat Baltimore. Ending that series, one ended up getting the win 6-5. to five. Not the best game, but a win's a win. Went into the Atlanta series again, which which we knew coming in was going to be a big series. We had a three-game series. 
Wednesday's game ended up getting getting postponed. Should have won both of them. Monday, we're up 6-3 to three in the ninth inning. Daniel Hudson comes in, gives up a two-run home run to Adam Duvall. Got two outs. You know, the two-run home run made it 6-5. to five. Got two outs, and then uh, Dansby Swanson took him deep to center with a runner on to, to walk it off. Tough loss. It, was, it felt like a gut punch. Ended up being able to come back Tuesday, win that, split, win that, and split that series. You know, Wednesday's game postponed. Thursday was an off day. Got a five-game set with the Marlins going on right now. Through three games, we were one and two, which definitely not ideal. You know, you're talking about a Marlins team that isn't very good, and we need to win. We need to beat the teams that aren't very good, and I, I think that's been our issue this year. You know, we've struggled with Toronto. We've struggled with Baltimore. We struggled with the Mets, and now we're struggling with the Marlins. That's if we're gonna if we're gonna make the playoffs, we got to beat the bad teams. You know, we've struggled with the Marlins. Hopefully, we can find a way to to finish the series strong, get a couple wins in there. We had a, a couple couple guys make their debut. Will Crow made his debut. He started the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday. Didn't pitch extremely well. Didn't you know completely falter. Definitely room for improvement, but, you know, it's probably just going to be that one start and send him back down. With the season the way it is, though, and not knowing when there's going to be double headers and knowing how the schedule can change so quickly, I think he's going to, we're going to see him again this year. You know, he'll get another chance. And hopefully he can do a little more than what he did on Saturday. So three and three for the week, that's 500. Again, the goal should be 500 or better. So we did hit our goal of 500, but... Going 500 from here isn't gonna isn't gonna push us up the standings at all. So the goal should be above 500. And speaking of standings right now, not looking great, but they're not looking terrible either. You know we are 10 and 14, second to last. We are above the Phillies. We're only four and a half back of the Braves for the NL East lead. Two and a half back of the Marlins for the second place, which. Ultimately, that's the goal. Be second place or better. Second place guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. So find a way to, you know, to win these last two over within a half a game of them. You know, with the Mets holding a one-game lead over over the Nationals right now for the third spot. So we're fourth in the NL East right now. Hoping to improve on it this week. You know, we'll talk about that more when we talk about the preview for this week coming up. All right, offensively, you really saw Jan Gomes get hot. That can be a good. That can be a really good thing for us. We need. You know, we need to see production from our catcher, whether it's him or Kurt Suzuki. He went 5-for-12, two home runs, three RBIs. You could definitely see him getting more starts over the next week or so. With it being such a short schedule, you're going to play whatever catcher's hot. And right now it's Jan Gomes. He is the, he's hitting the ball, ball well. He deserves a couple more days. Besides him, Trey Turner stayed hot this week. He had a home run, you know, 7-for-23 with a home run. You saw Eric Thames hit his first of the year. As Dribble Cabrera, he you know he's continued to produce. He had a home run and four RBIs this past week. Juan Soto cooled off a little bit, but his cooled off is a 300 average. So still, he had a home run. Victor Robles had a home run. He had four RBIs also. And then Luis Garcia, you know he ended up going five for 16. Scored two runs. He hit his first career home run. Two RBIs. And the thing with him is we need him to stay hot. I'm sorry, we don't need we don't need him to be hot. We need him to be productive, period. You know, we don't need him to have a 300 average. He can be 270. 
We need him to be productive. With Starlin Castro lost for the season, he's going to be the one getting the starts. And it's another left-handed bat that can produce for us. The big question is going to be, the big question for Starlin Castro is really, what is his role with this team now moving forward? You know, what is what is he going to do? He goes from starting second baseman. If Luis Garcia continues to run with this position, he's not giving it up. You have Garcia at second, Turner at short, and you're going to work Carter Keboom at third. So where does that leave Starlin Castro next year as he's signed through 2021? I'm not sure. I you know some people said platoon. I don't think you platoon him with Luis Garcia because Garcia is going to get those at bats. You know, he's a 20, 21-year-old. He's not platooning with somebody, especially if his bat is as good as people say it is. I can see him trading him in the offseason. Not necessarily what I want, but I don't think Starlin Castro is a guy who can, you know, sit the bench for three days and then come in and, and just start raking. I think he's a guy who needs the at-bats. He needs volume. I'm not saying he can't help us, but I'm saying what his his major qualities, his strengths, what they do, is something we probably won't need next year. Maybe we can find a way to trade him for a, you know, a better bat off the bench or a relief pitcher or even a another fifth starter who could give us a chance to to give us some depth to our our rotation. Curious to know what you guys think. Curious to know, call in, let me know. I'm interested to see how this plays out. All right, getting into more injury news, the big story of the week, Steven Strasburg going to have season-ending surgery. Uh, he was diagnosed carpal tunnel neuritis, which is pretty much carpal t- tunnel syndrome, except it deals more with the nerve than the ligament. Kind of saw it coming. You know, obviously, if he's hurt, you want him, you want him to recover. You want him to be healed. With it being such a short season and the way the teams ramped it up like they did, where they ramped it up in February and March, shut it down for three months, ramped it back up in June, I feel like... If he wasn't going to be 100%, there was no reason for him not to have surgery. If there was any doubt, any doubt that he wouldn't have healed, got to have the surgery. I mean, think about it. There's really there's only 40 games left in the national season. 40 games, which means he's missing eight starts. You know, he's, he should, without a doubt, he should be good by spring training. Without a doubt, because they were even talking about possibly... You know, him making a miracle recovery and ready for the playoffs. But I don't think there's anybody really counting on that. Knowing Strasburg, knowing his injury history, he's not going to do anything to to jeopardize the rest of his career. The Nationals aren't going to do anything to jeopardize the rest of his career. Losing him is a big deal, though. Now more than ever, more than ever, we need Anibal Sanchez to step up. He has struggled. He looked like he turned it around this week when he pitched against the Braves. He had a rough start. Found a way to get through five gutsy innings. Need him more than ever now that Strasburg's out. Eric Fetty's probably going to take that spot in the rotation. Your expectations for, you know, the problem is this. Your expectations for Fetty, for both, are five innings. Those are your expectations for those guys. And if you got that with two starters, oh my gosh, that puts so much pressure on Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin. So much pressure. Like, they must feel like they got to go out and pitch seven shutout innings every game. Which in turn, they go and take that pressure, and it makes them not pitch as well. So the one guy who's going to key our playoff run this year, I'm going to tell you right now. One guy is Anibal Sanchez. If he can get right, if he can fix himself, like he did last year, then we can, without a doubt, we'll make the playoffs. 
Mark my, again, uh, let me repeat that. If Anibal Sanchez right, the Nationals will make the playoffs this year. And once you get in the playoffs, you got a shot. Period. You got a shot. Yes, the injury's a big blow. Yes, we could have used Strasburg for eight more starts. But I would much rather lose him for these last 40 games than jeopardizing him next year. He should be able to have the surgery, recover, and be back to strength by by next February. He'll have all off his off season will be a normal off season. Like that's how quickly you should be able to heal from that. Now, if I'm a if I'm a bet man, if I'm if I'm making a prediction here, I'm gonna, I'm predicting the Nats make the playoffs. Call the fan line. Tell me I'm wrong. 305-809 Nats. Call in and give me your take because that's what I want to hear. I want to hear your take. Do we still have the horses to make the playoffs? You know, when you're thinking playoffs, you're talking 31, 32 wins. Do we have the guys on the mound who can do that? Offensively, we're going to struggle all year. You know, we have one dynamic bat. I'm sorry, we'll go, two dynamic bats. In Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Everyone else is average. Now, they can be above average. They can have spurts of being above average. But offensively, we're not very good, and we don't have this... We don't have this player who's who's just not hitting well, who we need to, you know, start, you know, raking. We don't have that. Like, yes, Adam Eaton could start hitting well. That would help the lineup. Yes, Eric Thames could hit a couple more out of the park. But in reality, we're, we're average offensively. Mike Rizzo bit the, built this team on our starting pitching staff, and they got to find a way, even without Strasburg, to carry us to the playoffs. And I'm going to bet the Nationals are making the playoffs. Mark my words, the Nationals are making the playoffs. Call in. Give me your take. 305-809-6287. That's 305-809-NATS. With that being said, the trade line is just over a week away, and let's talk about the moves that the Nats are going to make, or in my opinion, aren't going to make. I really, with, with 2020 being so different, I don't see the Nats making any moves. It would surprise me if the Nats made any moves. The only thing I can see them trading for is maybe a starting pitcher. Now the Strasburg is definitely done for the year. Maybe getting an arm to help the rotation. But I don't know who that would be. Maybe you know, maybe someone like Kevin Gosman. I mean, it, it would be nice to get someone like him, but the reality of the situation is there are so many teams that are going to be buyers. So many teams that are going to think that they're still in this playoff contention. That the price of these guys are probably going to be a lot higher than they should be. And knowing what Mike Rizzo's done in the past, I don't really see him overpaying for a number four starting pitcher. At the same time, I don't see us being sellers. You know, we could. We we got some one-year guys that we could maybe flip for something and we'd still be okay. You know, Eric Thames, we could flip him. As Drupal Cabrera, Kurt Suzuki, all these guys are are guys that other other people want, but I don't see Rizzo selling, and I'm glad, because I think you got to give yourself at least the opportunity to defend your title. The Nats are going to be in it; they're going to be in it all year long. A week from today, you're not going to feel like, oh man, our season's over. With the weakness of the East, it's just not. You're not going to have that feeling. With all that said, I, I say the Nats stay quiet. 
maybe a, a small under-the-radar trade like he's done in the past to get a guy who could be here for multiple years, maybe, you know, like a relief relief arm, kind of like what he did last year with the Mariners, getting, you know, Rowanus Elias, getting him for multiple years, even though he hasn't really pitched and, he's, you know, he's been hurt. It was an under-the-radar under move that could have worked out well if he hadn't been hurt this whole time. He might do something like that, but I don't see us going and getting a big-name guy who's going to going to change our lineup or change our rotation. And I definitely don't see us selling because, you know, as the 19 champs, we're at least going to give ourselves an opportunity to defend. All right, with all that said, let's go ahead and get into the preview for this week before the trade deadline. You hear that? Yeah, listen again. You know what that is? That's opportunity. Opportunity is knocking. Opportunity is knocking. That's what we have this week. We have an opportunity. The schedule sets up perfectly right now. You know, we can't think we're going to necessarily repeat what we did last year as far as starting so poorly. But this week right here is the opportunity. We finish off our series against the Marlins, which, like I said, should be, should be the worst team in the NL East. Got a game Sunday. Anibal Sanchez got a chance to continue to show that he can pitch well. Monday, Austin Voth will pitch to close out the series, the five-game series. Then we turn around and got Philly for three. And then Boston. Then we head up to Boston to start our, our, to start our second road trip of the year. So Miami, Philly, Boston. Could be a good week. Needs to be a good week. You know, you're looking for big things from Anibal Sanchez. He's got to be the X factor. He can start it off by pitching well today against the Marlins. You know, again, we're 10 and 14. We got to start pushing, making that push to get back to 500. Win the games you're supposed to win. All right, so again, two against the Marlins, three against the Phillies, and then three against Boston at the end of the week next weekend in Boston. Let's go ahead and win a few of these. Again, the goal should be to go above 500. We got seven games in the next seven days. Anything above 500 is a positive sign right now. But we will be reaching, the, the key point this week is we're going to be reaching the halfway point. Season's halfway over. So we are running out of time. So if we're going to make that move, now is the time. And that's going to be it for our show this week. Remember, new shows drop every Sunday. If you need to get in contact with us, you can always email us at natsweekly at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at natsweekly. Or if you want to call into the show, remember the number's 305-809-NATS. That's 305-809-6287. I'm your host, D-Max, signing off. Go Nats!